everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Right Turn. I'm your host, author Jordan M. Griffin, and today we'll be talking about the big question, to kill or not to kill. Is dispatching that character really helpful to your story? In this episode, we'll talk craft elements, anecdotes, and writing exercises. Please feel free to pause, go back, replay, or otherwise engage with this episode in a way that makes the most sense for you and your work at the moment. As I always say, writing looks different for each individual, so engage with this lesson in whatever way fits your needs at the moment. I don't know if any of you have heard this writing advice, but I've seen it floating around the internet a lot. If you're stuck in a piece and don't know what to do, kill off a character. It adds some momentum, drama, and gives you a new direction your readers won't expect. While I can't say this is the worst advice I've ever heard, I caution any writer from killing off one of their characters unless they can articulate the ways it will benefit the story as a whole. Too often, writers get drawn in by the idea of a big shock, and they sacrifice all other craft elements to get it done. There's a lot to consider with character death, especially if you're writing in a world where death is permanent. And even if you aren't, you still have to take this move seriously and consider the way it will affect your plot, your characters, and your pacing. Let's first talk about the pros of offing a character. When done well, on-page deaths add a lot of tension to your piece. Even if it's not a main character who dies, informing the audience that there are real stakes and those stakes are lethal adds a level of uncertainty to the outcome of your story. Let's say, for example, your story opens with a mining expedition on an uncolonized asteroid. There is an unexpected cave-in, and two of the mining team members are trapped beneath the falling rocks and killed. We don't know who these characters are. We've barely begun to remember the names of everyone in the scene, but suddenly we understand the gravity of these characters' jobs and lives. Now, every time these characters dive beneath the surface of these asteroids, we will remember the cave-in and hold our breath that it won't be our main characters who are in the line of fire this time. Even in literary fiction, death is a powerful way to change the trajectory of a story. The death can be sad but inevitable. Imagine a story that has the passing of a dear grandmother. While we know this is a part of life, we are still confronted with the mortality of the characters we will be engaging with. Often, death is a part of a climax because of the weight it carries regarding tension. Most fantasy novels have some kind of life-or-death battle as their crux, the Lord of the Rings has a great many of these by its nature. The death of Gandalf, even though he returns later on, still rocks the audience because it is the first time we have been shown anyone in the Fellowship is mortal. Suddenly, everyone is at risk, and when another member of the party falls at the end of the first book, it cements for the reader the grueling and overwhelming nature of the task these characters have been set. Everything after this becomes an uphill battle. Thrillers and horror stories use the threat of character mortality to great advantage when building tension. We are only frightened for our main characters because we know if the killer catches them, there's a good chance they're done for. We're scared for them because we know death is permanent. They cannot be rescued from beyond the veil. We want to scream at our main characters that the killer is right there. Don't you see them? Can't you run or pick up something heavy and defend yourself? We want to jump in the story ourselves and save them, just to relieve ourselves of the tension we feel. This is great storytelling, the ability to keep the audience on the edge of its seat, unable to move for fear of what might happen if they do. Another possible benefit when character deaths are done well is the way it forces change among your other characters. When your world is one where death is common, such as a fantasy world in the middle of a war, 
or one where death is not, such as a middle-class suburban town. The death of a close friend will change the emotional and sometimes physical landscape your characters are living in. Every story has a point of no return. Some longer stories might even have several. This is the moment where it becomes impossible for your character to move back to their original starting point. This can be done with physical movement, such as a character moving from one place to another and they have no way back to where they came from. It can be done with deeds, where a character does something good or bad that makes it so they cannot go back to where they were. It can also, as you can imagine, be done with death. Depending on your story, this might take a couple different forms. In a high fantasy story, a body may be found dead and your character blamed. They can no longer resume their quiet life as a blacksmith's apprentice. Now they must struggle to clear their name. In a literary tale, the death of a family member may force the character to finally confront the deeply buried secrets kept by others. You can and should explore both the physical and emotional ways death rocks the characters left behind. We've all heard the phrase, people grieve in different ways. You should absolutely explore this in your own stories. Think back in your own life as much as it's not too painful and examine some of the different ways people around you may have experienced grief. Some people in my family, for example, are quite stoic. Because they are depended upon by other members, not only by children, but also by our more extended family members, they feel an immense responsibility to keep it together. They feel like they can't crack because if they do, everything else will come crumbling after them. The only time I've seen these people lose it is quietly, in private, when they thankfully let me shoulder some of their burden for a short while. Even at funerals, hospital stays, anywhere they have to make decisions or carry the day, they keep a brave face no matter how much it hurts them. Imagine one of your characters who may be this way, the one who shoulders so much responsibility they barely allow themselves to be human. What extra weight does this place on them? How does it affect the way they interact with others? Might they push away the characters who try to draw out their emotional sides? Or would they calmly, and maybe infuriatingly, tell the character they are perfectly fine and not to worry? How might other characters react to this? In my own family, I know some of the family members flock to this. They need to draw on the strength in order to keep themselves going. Others, like myself, watch from afar and wait for the inevitable crack. I want to be there when it happens to let them know it's perfectly okay to fall apart every once in a while. A different family member of mine has kind of the opposite response. She tries to become as productive as possible. Need someone to make you lunch? She's there. Her house? She's mopped it and dusted the high corners and even cleaned the china. She's in charge of any plans that have to be made, estates sorted, and is probably currently on a Starbucks run just to be safe. Her way of dealing with the crushing weight of sadness is to make other people happy. When I was a little kid, I used to try to take some of the burden off of her. I wanted to help dust and mop and do all of the things so she didn't have to, so she could just be sad. It wasn't until I was much older that I realized doing those chores was her way of coping. It was her way of feeling the things she was feeling, or maybe even taking the edge off the ragged hole that forms inside your chest when something happens and there's nothing you can do to fix it. It's what she wanted to do. Now that I'm older, I let her do all of those things. I just quietly conspire with her sisters to make sure she's not doing too much and that we can help before she runs herself ragged. So what ways do the people in your life grieve? Are they ways you'd expect, given their personality? 
Or do they go into this quote-unquote other mode when tragedy strikes? Observing this will help you decide how your characters would behave in the same situations. Try this exercise. Take three of your characters, whichever three would most likely be in a room together. Place them in the aftermath of a deeply tragic event. You do not need to show the event itself. In fact, it's better if a little time has passed so the characters can be in the depths of their feelings about it. Now, let the characters interact with each other in whatever ways make the most sense for them. How does this go? Does one character constantly try to change the subject? Does one cry at the drop of a hat and another rolls their eyes? Really play with the strange and quirky ways characters might fall apart. I'll read you a first draft I did for this very exercise. This story is set in a near sci-fi type environment. Think big city, lots of automation, and a criminal underground where our character is a prized fighter. The main character's brother has just passed away, and the other characters are dealing with the wake of that tragedy. The door opened behind Callista. She knew without turning it had to be Fox. Anyone else would have knocked or steered away from her altogether. Match goes in ten, he said, his tone unusually somber. It's not too late to call this, you know. There'd be no shame in it. Callista didn't turn. She didn't even open her eyes. You'd like that, wouldn't you? How far do you think the down-and-out fighter image will spread the second time around? She heard Fox sigh behind her. I'm worried, Callista. Ever since... Well, you haven't been yourself lately. A laugh, harsh and grating, bubbled out of her chest before she could stop it. Herself. What did that even mean? Fox didn't know the real her. He'd never met her when Caden wasn't around, didn't know all the ways she snarled and snapped and let her fists do the talking. Caden was the one that smoothed her out, polished her up, made her feel like more than a big, dumb machine meant for nothing more than this. She looked at her hands, clenched into fists against the ready room counter. I'm going, Fox. That's that. For a moment, she felt Fox fidget like he wanted to say something more. Then she heard his steps retreat and the door closed behind him, harder than it could have if he didn't help it along. What did you think? It's short, yes, but you can feel the pain these two characters are in. The way whatever relationship they may have had at one point has been shattered between them. One doesn't know what to say and is saying the wrong things. The other is caustic, bitter, and angry and doesn't care what comes out of her mouth. This is what I mean when I say explore the different ways grief can affect characters. There are said to be five stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Your characters can jump to one, backtrack to another, skip one entirely, and then double back and do the whole cycle again. There are no rules here, and the other events in the story will affect how they are able to cope as well. Feel free to play with it. Just know that when you're dealing with something as large as the death of a close friend, you cannot gloss over it and have your characters take it in stride. But we'll touch more on that later. Now that we've covered all the ways a story can be strengthened when a character is removed, let's discuss the ways it can fall apart. First and foremost, if killing the character is not done carefully with all the delicacy and weight that such an event deserves, it can feel like a cheap way to grab at your audience. Think of the classic action movie trope. A group of people must go into a dangerous territory. The group consists of the three main characters and two nameless goons. When disaster strikes, the nameless goons fall immediately, then our main characters go through 30 minutes of peril and arrive on the other side with nothing but a sexy gash on the side of their heads. The audience feels nothing. In fact, we could have skipped the scene where the goons die altogether and it would have been the same movie. So why did the movie makers put the scene in there? 
I can only assume they went with the first reason we talked about. They want to show the stakes of the situation. Killing the goons shows that, in theory, our characters are in mortal danger. I mean, Joe Schmo just got crushed by a falling rock, or ambushed by an alien, or whatever the danger flavor of the day turned out to be. So our named characters must be in as much danger as they were, right? Well, wrong. Any audience member can tell you that more often than not, we're not wondering if the characters will make it. If anything, our attention more resolves around how. So what happened? Why didn't the character death up the stakes of the narrative the way that we said it would? Very simply put, because there is a natural emotional disconnect between named characters, whom we've spent time with and gotten to know, and unnamed characters who could be animatronic robots for all that we know about them. And I know earlier we talked about the opening of a story where we don't even really know the characters yet, but the reason that works is because all the characters are in the same boat. We don't know any of them yet. So if that sudden catastrophe happens, we care about it because it's the first time that we see something like this. If a story only kills off the quote-unquote expendable characters, however, and it does this over and over again, then it's taking the cheap way out trying to up the stakes without actually sacrificing any of the writer's precious imaginary friends. Many writers might feel some reluctance to off a character. I know I certainly do. In fact, it wasn't until just a month ago, literally a year and four months into the novel that I'm currently writing, that I came around to accept the idea that I had been playing with from the start. One of the major characters dies in the story, and it's entirely the protagonist's fault. Not on purpose, of course, but the nature of her situation and her refusal to deal with it gets a very close friend of hers killed. I couldn't do it for so long because I, as a writer and a person, didn't want to deal with the grief of that. I didn't want my character to feel the weight of that burden and know it was her fault. I wanted to spare her from that pain. However, as a writer, my job is not to spare my characters. My job is to do what must be done in the name of the story. You two may be in a similar situation. You don't want to hurt your characters. They might even feel like your friends. You've spent so much time with them, it's like you know them inside and out. But I ask you, is protecting them hurting the story as a whole? Another way I see writers back out of the grief of character death is by turning around at the last minute. In a speculative story, there might be some spell or afterlife the characters can come back from. In a literary story, maybe they weren't dead at all, the protagonist just thought they were. Whatever the case, we know at that moment where the author tries to impact the audience with the weight of the death of a character and then pull back the curtain and say, ta-da, not dead after all. I'm not saying this doesn't ever work. There are ways to do this and do it well, especially in genres that are known for it, sci-fi and fantasy and action specifically. But a majority of the time, I as an audience member feel cheated when this happens. I feel that the author is trying to have his cake and eat it too, at the reader's expense. If you're gonna pull this trick, don't do it Game of Thrones season 8 style, pulling things out of nowhere and then patting yourself on the back for doing something the audience never saw coming. If a character is going to come back from the dead, or at the very least avoid death when it definitely had their number, it should be planted way early in the story. Even if I'm able to see it coming, I don't mind, but at the very least I should be able to go back through the story and place exactly why this was able to happen. It shouldn't feel foreign or pulled out of nowhere. Another way I notice authors pull up short is when it comes to the death of characters and not dealing with the fallout. Just as in real life, characters need time to process the pain they are in. They need to come back to it, relive it, talk about it. Even characters who intentionally refuse to process 
either because extenuating circumstances refuse to allow them to do so, or because they're in denial, will eventually need to come to terms with their own feelings. I'm not saying that a character has to spend the next 30 pages straight having therapy sessions with their friends, but authors should be mindful of not sweeping past a major character death like it's just a plot device. If they do, they risk showing their audience that's exactly what it was. Something that had to happen in the story before we got up and moved on. One place I see this a lot is in romantic subplots of genre fiction. So sci-fi, action, fantasy, something like that. When a character has two possible choices for significant others and strings the both of them along for two or three books, then one of them dies and alleviates the character of any responsibility of having to choose. Very often, the character doesn't process this death in the way I would expect someone to process what is, at the very least, a close friend, if not more. They kind of dust their hands and hook up with bachelor number two, and that's that. Maybe if the author is feeling gratuitous, the new lovers may have a conversation about it in which they both agree to mourn together and then continue on into the fields of Elysium. If this kind of thing actually happened, I expect it would shatter whatever might remain of the relationship the two characters could have had. Could you imagine the questions you would feel as a partner after this? You've been dancing around this person for however long they've kept you strung along for, and only after your competition slash friend slash rival dies do they finally accept your advances. I'd have some pretty serious questions about that, as well as worry that this is only part of their coping process, and I'm liable to be left behind the moment they move to the next stage. Don't put your characters in this situation. Don't get me wrong, love triangles are a time-honored tradition, even if I do have misgivings about the way they are most often portrayed, and I'm not saying don't ever write one. All I'm saying is don't put your characters in a situation where they've wound themselves so tightly around each other that death is the only way out where someone's life doesn't get ruined. People can like each other. That's fine and normal. People should not, under any circumstances, live their entire lives around a single person, making all of their decisions based on them, and allow themselves to be strung along for years on end in some cases. Even in genre fiction, where the rules of romance can be bent a little, It's cruel of the main character not to choose one person and leave it at that. If you have a character the audience has spent time with, gotten to know, has put emotional effort into figuring out, then glossing over their demise will feel exactly the opposite. It will feel unfinished, a wound left open. If the characters don't get closure, how can the audience? It's a fine line to thread for sure, but you as an author can probably feel when there's more to be done. The story feels like it's missing something a plot line left open and unexplored. If you don't find the emotional through line of the story is seriously lacking without that kind of closure, it may be best to ask yourself if this character actually needs to die in order to serve the story. If their death doesn't change anything in the story, then it's not a strong enough plot point to do so. As we come to the end of this talk, I'll leave you with a few questions to ask if you're on the fence about whether killing off a character would really help or hurt your story as a whole. Question 1. Does this death advance the plot or character arc in a meaningful way? What I'm trying to say here is, have we given this character enough significance to carry the emotional weight of the death in the story? If it hasn't, then we should wait until a point in the story where the impact will be greater, or we should remove this storyline altogether. A note of caution about this question, using character death as an impetus for character motivation, i.e. the I have to avenge the death of my brother, 
is an old trope, especially with female pain and death spurring male change. Again, I'm not saying don't ever do it. I'm only cautioning you to be aware of your genre and the problems it may have. Question number two, would the story be the exact same with the death as without it? Does this event force a character to examine some part of themselves, reckon with something they refuse to look at, bring the stakes of the story higher? If not, if it feels like an expendable movie extra, perhaps find a different way to achieve what you're trying to accomplish. Suspense works well even without actual blood and gore on the page. Try stretching out the moment instead and see where that gets you. Last question. Consider the ways this event will affect your other characters. Some characters will be more affected by death than others. This is natural. Feel free to explore the different ways characters grieve, help each other through grief, and don't be afraid to allow your characters to behave in ways you wouldn't expect. This is what makes a work feel real. It wouldn't make sense if everyone was crying at the same time, gushing about how great the person was and how much they are missed. Some characters will do that, but certainly not all of them. I hope this talk was helpful to you, and remember you're always welcome to go back, replay, or skip around to whichever parts are most useful to you and your work at the moment. If you'd like to tell us an anecdote, share your own writing advice, or have your story read and critiqued on air, feel free to send us an email at writeturn at gmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-3, the number 3, T-U-R-N at gmail.com, or you can click the link in the description of this episode. If you like to stay informed on when we drop an episode, especially because I know the publishing schedule has been a little bit crazy of late, you can follow me on Instagram at jordan.m.griffin or subscribe to the Right Turn YouTube channel. I hope you all have a lovely day, and if it's not, I hope that the next one is better. Happy writing!